many traditions, when you end a scripture reading, you say, this is the word of the Lord, and people of God say, thanks be to God. And I think for that reading, we should share that practice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. I'm kind of tempted to actually use the stool. <laughs> but I'm a little terrified I'd fall off of it, so I won't try. Psalm 129, or 129, 119. How many of you were worried when we started at verse 1? A <laughs> little, little nervous. A little nervous. Because Psalm 119 is kind of tricky, and its length is not the least of its trickiness. It's the longest psalm by a long shot. It's 176 verses. And I wager that many of us actually haven't read it from start to finish. Even now, we just kind of started at the beginning jumped into the middle, and came out at the end. But when we do read it from start to finish, we see that Psalm 119's theme also kind of makes it tricky. It's the law. The law, the law, the law. Over and over again, the law, the law, the law. Or ordinances, or precepts, or other things that kind of get caught in your mouth when you say them. And read quickly, kind of just read through, it, it can come across like a song about rules and regulations. It's almost as if the psalmist is like a kid who wants to write a song about the house rules, their parents' rules. It sounds something like, oh, how I love your law, therefore it is my delight to make my bed. I will faithfully do the dishes according to your statutes. I have promised to obey your words, so I will not pick on my little sister. That last one was particularly hard for me as an oldest child. Psalm 119, law, rules, obligations, got it. And because of that, it can really be easily dismissed and has been dismissed as boring, as repetitive, and, as we've mentioned, unnecessarily long. I mean, does the psalmist really need 176 verses to say what Psalm 105, or verse 105, says quite succinctly with poetry and it's quite memorable? What is it, girls? Done. The impulse with Psalm 119 is to kind of pick up a verse and, and run with it, right? Kind of leave the rest of it behind, because really, 105 has got it all. But I think we lose something, actually, if we walk away from Psalm 119 a little too quickly. Dismissing it as boring, as repetitive, as saying the same thing over and over again for 176 verses. And we lose something if we just kind of run with a single verse and leave the rest of it behind. But what is it that we lose? Before we get there, a story. If you ever find yourself in my office here in the church, back corner over there, and you're sitting across from me at my desk, and you look up at the shelf, there's two books that kind of are off by themselves. And, and one is a systematic theology textbook that belonged to my grandpa, Medley Benjamin Huffman. And the second is a Bible, <laughs> this one. And it belonged to my grandmother, Ruth Electa Huffman. And I don't know, you can't all see it. From maybe far away, it just looks like a Bible, but can you guys help me out? 
Can you describe this Bible for everyone? What, is it, what does it look like? Um, it looks um, like it's pretty old. It's pretty old? Yes. And it looks like an antique. It looks like an antique. Ooh. Well, lovely. Is that a good thing? Yes, okay, good. Anything else? Oh, look at the pages. They're, they're kind of torn, right? It's well used. Can you, guys, can you guys see gold on this? Is it super bright or is it kind of faded a little bit? It's faded. Can I show you something? Right? Old, well used. The, the gold edges are falling off or it has come off, right? This, I treasure this. It belonged to my grandmother, not just because it belonged to her and she has passed away, but because the torrent pages, the gold rubbed off, this, this worn cover that the binding's actually coming off is a testament to her life lived by faith according to the word of God. This meant something to her. She used it until it's falling apart. And I remember as a little girl sitting next to her in church, sitting next to her in a pew, and being in a church service and having her open the scripture to where the preacher was going to read. And I remember how much she loved this King James Bible. I read it with her. I, I remember at the kitchen table when I would stay overnight doing, you know, grandma's sleepovers, and she would already be at the kitchen table well before I was up, before breakfast, before coffee, reading out of this Bible. My grandfather gave it to her in 1969. There's a little description. It says, to my Christian wife, with a reference to Proverbs. And since that day, my grandmother used it, loved it, read from it, absorbed it, breathed it for the next 40 years of her life until she passed away. The life she lived in obedience to the stories and the words that she read over and over and over again, testify to the truth of the stories and the words in this book. Her life lived this story. Psalm 119 has this beautiful, beautiful verse, just a few down from 105. We, one of the girls read it already. And I think this sums up my grandmother's faith. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. No longer dry and boring, but that verse gives life, description to the faith of my grandmother. And as a young girl, I paid attention to her. I learned from her faith, my grandmother's devotion and love of the scriptures inspired me to have a devotion and a love of scriptures. Because I think, I know, that we learn to read and love the word of God best by learning from others who read and love the word of God. It's infectious, it's contagious, and that is actually the real genius of Psalm 119. In its original language in Hebrew, Psalm 119 is a masterfully constructed teaching tool. 
As you may have guessed from the way it's laid out in your Bible, Psalm 119 is formed around the Hebrew alphabet, which might be kind of just a neat saying, oh, okay, there's Hebrew letters. Are there Hebrew letters in the Pew Bibles? Do you girls see random letters in front of the sections that you can't recognize? Yeah, okay, good. So our Pew Bibles keep the Hebrew letter at the beginning of each section, 22. 22 sections for the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And then each section has eight lines. And each line in the Hebrew begins with a word that has that letter corresponding. So not just the first line, not just, you know, A, A is for apple. Every single one of those eight lines begins with the Hebrew letter. Because it would have been easy just to do the first one. Why not make it a little bit harder? And not only that, but in each line, each line, each 176 lines, with just a few exceptions, there appears one of eight words. Law, ordinances, precepts, commands, word. There's a lot of them. Promise, statutes, and decrees. And there's a few other ones, ways, paths, faithfulness, kind of thrown in there too. 22 sections, letter of the alphabet, eight lines, each line has some reference to the law, some reference to God's instructions for his people. And in Hebrew, Psalm 118 has a beauty to it, a playfulness even. There's something fun to recite over and over and over, that, that kind of alliteration at the beginning. There's something beautiful about it. There's something easy to memorize, to learn, to teach. Our, our English translations kind of just flatten it out, and that playfulness gets lost. And there's even a Midrash story that King David wrote this psalm for Solomon, for his son, to teach him to love the word of God, the law of God, right alongside his ABCs. So Psalm 119, all of a sudden, is not just a boring, repetitive, overly long psalm that we kind of have to endure or skip over entirely. Psalm 119 is a playful catechism, teaching the young and old that love of and obedience to the word of God is meant to be passed from one generation to the next. And Psalm 119 gives itself as one of those ways of teaching one of those ways of passing faith from one generation to the next. Learn your ABCs. Learn to love and to read the word of God. Our gems have been traveling with Psalm 119 this entire year. Memorizing, as they demonstrated, I put you on the spot, to recite verse 105. They've been memorizing and learning that lovely, powerful verse. They've been learning that our stories only make sense in the context of God's story. And they've been encouraged by their counselors to read their Bibles to get to know God's story. In the midst of lessons and songs, of crafts and snacks, this group of gems, counselors, women and girls, have lived out the teaching nature of Psalm 119. That we are called to teach each other to inspire each other to read and to love and to obey God's word. And we learn to read and love the word of God best by learning it from others who love and read the word of God.
Counselors. I put the girls on the spot a lot this morning, so it's your turn. I don't know if you know it or not, but I bet your gems learned as much from you, from how you loved them, from how you served them, from how you led them, from how you modeled faith, as they did from what you told them, what you said, the words you used. Because we pay attention, especially when we're young. We soak it up. We watch, don't we? I'm not little anymore. Shoot. But when we're young girls, we watch closely. We watch you. We learn from you. And your lives matter to us because they teach us. And what they teach us is up to you, to all of you. Our lives matter because young people are watching us. How we live, how we pray, what our priorities are, our value is. Even something as basic as, do we crack open a Bible? Would, would our Bibles look like this? Though maybe sometimes we do it on a tablet, now on an iPad, so maybe this illustration doesn't work any longer. I'm an old school girl. I still love the text. What do we show with our lives? What are we teaching? What are we giving others to pay attention to? My grandmother didn't just tell me scripture stories. She didn't tell me it was important. She didn't tell me to keep the commands. She didn't have a wagging finger. In fact, she never actually said that. It was always an invitation. It was always a modeling. My grandmother lived her life, and it was a beautifully simple, quiet life. She lived faithfully to the word of God, attentive to the word of God, she was prayerful and patient. She raised her family. She loved her grandchildren. She served in her church. She tended her garden. She lived a simple life. My grandmother knew and loved and breathed the word of God. And she never stopped advocating for her own learning she was never satisfied. She never thought she had it all. She never thought she read one story too many times. She never stopped advocating for the learning of those around her. At her funeral, actually, the minister, Reverend Dr. Caulfield, was a very big, imposing man. She, he told the story of how my grandmother, several decades back, when ladies' Bible societies were still a thing, my grandmother demanded that a ladies' Bible society would be established. And she told Reverend Dr. Caulfield that he would be preaching at it because her sisters needed the word of God. And Reverend Dr. Caulfield kind of thought it was below him to have a ladies' Bible society thing, but there was no way he was going to tell my grandmother that because she was a short, sharp-eyed, glasses-wearing, big, purse-carrying woman. <laughs> and you did not say no to her, even if you were Reverend Dr. Caulfield. I don't know who your grandma Ruth is. I've got her, she's mine. <laughs> I don't know who your grandma Ruth is. I don't know who in your life taught you to read and to love the word of God. I hope you have one. I hope there has been someone in your life that their love of the word was just so contagious that you caught it, that you learned to love it, that you couldn't not love it. 
My guess is, whoever your grandma Ruth is, that they have something in common with my grandma and with Psalm 119, which is a deep conviction that the Word of God is not a laundry list of rules and regulations, of dusty old stories and meaningless proverbs, of do's and don'ts, but an invitation to relationship with the one whose word, in the beautiful words of Psalm 119, whose word is eternal and whose faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Psalm 119 illustrates this relationship beautifully. Because Psalm 119, despite its reputation as repetitive, as boring, as dry, as talking about the law, the law, the law, the law, the law, it's not telling us about God. It's talking to God. Reading through it, the, the reading that the girls gave, there's only two verses at the very beginning that are in the third person. Blessed are those who follow and live according to the word of God. The rest of it's all you. You, your direct address to God from the psalmist. And that conversation is prayerful and pleading and asking and doubting and believing and trusting and honoring and praising. And Psalm 118 all of a sudden becomes this huge conversation with God in all aspects of life, in all needs. The good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the joys and challenges. You can hear it just in a few, a few examples. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. My comfort in my suffering is this, that your promise preserves my life. Or this one. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Or the very last verse. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your promises. Psalm 119 expects an answer. The poet, the psalmist, carries all their concerns and their worries, their hopes and their fears, their needs and their joys to God expecting an answer, expecting that God speaks to them, expecting to hear a word. That's, that's the difference between coming to the word out of obligation, kind of a spiritual to-do list, check that off, 20-minute devotion, maybe even two-minute devotion, check, and coming to the word expecting hear an answer, expecting to hear God speak. The gems, before they led us in Psalm 119, they prayed the prayer of illumination, which we do every Sunday, unless a very forgetful pastor forgets to do it. <clears throat> Prayer for illumination. Before we open scripture, 
we come in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be the light to our feet, the light on our path. Because the Holy Spirit, the Belgic Confession says that we confess that this word of God, this, this written word of God, was not sent nor delivered by human will, but that men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, just as the Apostle Peter says. Which means that the Holy Spirit, who moved through the psalmist to create this prayerful catechism called Psalm 119, the Holy Spirit who moved through the prophets and the kings and the apostles to write their stories down, is the same spirit who moves among us as we come to God's word, as we come together, as we open scripture. Moving in us to hear and to obey the word of God. And we know something that the psalmist of Psalm 119 could never have possibly imagined. That God would not only speak to his people with words, with instructions, with promises, but that God would send his own son, Jesus Christ, to be the word made flesh. Showing us that with his life, death, and resurrection, how far God would go to speak to us and to have us here. The psalm prays, the psalmist prays in verse 41. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation, according to your promise. And then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation. The psalmist had no idea, no idea of the word made flesh. May God bless you with someone in your life who helps you read and love and obey the word of God like a Grandma Ruth or a Gems counselor. May God equip you to be someone who inspires others to read and to love and to obey the word of God. And may our God bless us here at Community Christian Reformed Church to be the kind of community open to the moving to the prompting, to the discerning of the Holy Spirit, so that we may inspire and teach each other and others to read, to love, and to obey the word of God. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Holy Spirit, 
may we truly hear your word. May we come to your scripture expecting to hear your voice, knowing that you are speaking to us. Move in our hearts and our minds. Bring the word alive to us for where we are, for where our life currently is. May we trust that you have an answer for us. Holy Spirit, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the very word made flesh. Amen. Amen.